This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, and welcome to What She Said, brought to you tonight by TD Wealth. It is nice to have you with us this evening. I'm Kate Wheeler. Christine Bentley is enjoying the sunshine this weekend, but will join us in several segments. So, with all that brightness, we're going to start off by talking about our eyes. Dr. Alan Slomovic, president of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society, is here to run through some of the most common eye conditions people get and what symptoms should prompt them to make an appointment with an ophthalmologist. And they're just going to make me say that so many times times today. Uh, now, from our eyes to our skin, cases of melanoma are on the rise. It is one of the most common cancers among ages 15 to 29. Annette Sear, the founder and chair of the board of the Melanoma Network of Canada and a three-time survivor, is going to give us some facts about how we can all stay sun safe this summer. While pesky pickpockets are still out there and our travel expert Candace Derricks is going to tell us about what to watch for when you're on vacation and how to protect yourself from becoming a victim with some practical tips and even some gear. And it is Saturday Night at the Movies brought to you by Elevation Pictures and Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe are back. Or are they? What is this, 1998? As always, our trusted film critic Ann Brody is going to run down what to watch and what not to watch this weekend. Anyone finish Orange is the New Black yet? Hey, I haven't even started. What are you talking about? In TD's Your Story, Your Future, Associate Vice President of Everyday Banking Sue McDonald is going to talk to us about a recent survey that looked into what working post-secondary graduates are anxious or overwhelmed about. Probably pretty much everything, I'd say, when it comes to, you know, the whole new reality of uh, life in the fast lane. Last but not least, we have one half of Autumn Hill, Terea, who is going to talk to us about going solo. And she's also going to perform her debut single. It's called Summer Wheels right here live in Studio Forest. Now, we want to tell you about our new contest with our friends at Elevation Pictures. We want to send you and your guest to a screening of The Big Sick. Bickering parents, a serious health scare, threaten the budding relationship between a Pakistani stand-up comic and his American girlfriend. Now, the movie is in select theaters Friday, June 30th, and Friday, July 14th. It's pretty much everywhere. But we are giving away double passes to the premiere screenings in seven cities, coast to coast. So go to whatshesaidtalk.com and click on contest to claim your tickets before they're gone. And tell your friends in Halifax, Vancouver... Winnipeg, all over the place. Uh, we want to offer congratulations to Jan Ian and Kelly Woods, who are going home with a copy of Walt Disney's Bambi on Blu-ray DVD. Actually, they're not going home. We're just sending them to them. It was much easier. We don't have live studio audience yet, but we're thinking about it. Um, up next on What She Said, he's got an eye for eye health. Dr. Alan Slomovic is on after the break. Stay with us. You must help me if you can. Doctor, my eye. You do not even necessarily have to be older to be watchful of your eye health. And getting an eye exam from an optometrist is about how well you see, not about your whole eye health or even your whole general health. To help us understand how critical this is, we are joined this evening by a true expert. He is president of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. He is a researcher, 
Dr. Slumovich. Welcome to What She Said. Pleasure to be here. You feel that the eyes really are a mirror of one's whole general health. Yes. Uh, essentially, the eye offers you the opportunity to not only learn about the patient's vision and how they use their eyes, but it also offers you opportunity to really assess the overall well-being of the individual. By looking at the vessels, for example, in the retina and looking at the optic nerve, you, you can um, make uh, evaluations regarding the patient's well-being if they have hypertension, if they have diabetes. God forbid if they have a tumor, you may see the optic nerve being swollen um, and there's also other conditions in terms of their vision. For example, if you have glaucoma, which is one of the three major causes of vision loss as the population ages, you can see that directly by looking at the eye. What about things um, like cataracts? You said there are three things. Would cataracts be one of them? Yes, indeed. Uh, the three major causes of vision as we age include cataracts, age-related macular degeneration, and glaucoma. And there's been huge developments in each of these areas towards, the, towards improving uh, patient sight as we get older. My husband was just told that he's going to be getting cataracts. And I said, oh, you're going to need me to look after you. He said, no, they can fix that now quite, quite, quite readily. Is that the case? Yes. Cataracts are one of the most common operations performed. It's performed by an ophthalmologist who is trained in both the medical and surgical diseases of the eye. It's outpatient surgery. It's very effective with vision returning shortly after the operation. Going back to something that you said earlier, when you give somebody an eye exam and you find conditions like tumors, mm -hmm. etc., are these, is that exam something where the condition would not have been picked up? By another means? You know, disease manifests itself in several ways and will often manifest through the eyes. We know that the story, see the possibilities, the, the story of a one-year-old child who had imbalance, I mean, that was one of the signs, also had uh, an interning eye and an eye that wiggled. It's called nystagmus is the technical mm -hmm. term. And by a, an astute ophthalmologist, and uh, looking at the signs of what was going on, he diagnosed a brain tumor, looking at the optic nerve, which was swollen, subsequently referred him for an emergency neurosurgical consult. The child underwent a multiple-hour operation. It's back to normal now. And this would have – had this not been picked up, it, it could have killed the child. Do you recommend that people go and see an ophthalmologist, what, once a year, once every five years? We're just working on that. Uh, actually, um, with the uh, Optometry Association, the Canadian mm -hmm. Optometry Association and the Canadian Ophthalmological Society, we're looking at guidelines for how often patients need to be seen. And of course, it, it, it varies. There are you can't just give one guideline for all. It depends on the age of the patient. It depends on any concurrent conditions, for example, if they have glaucoma being an eye manifestation of disease, as opposed to, let's say, if they have diabetes, they will require more frequent follow-up. So the, the, I'm, I'm nearsighted. So mm -hmm. and I, my health insurance plan covers an eye exam every two years, I think mm -hmm. it is. So if you're like me and you know you have, you're just going to an optometrist, how, how, 
would they tell me that maybe I need to go and see somebody else, or should it be some something that you build into your whole general health care plan? You know, if you are well and it's just the nearsightedness and you need a change in your glasses, then I think an optometrist, there is some overlap. Ophthalmologist mm-hmm. and optometrist both do primary eye care, mm-hmm. whereas the ophthalmologist will continue that if you need cataract surgery, for example, and will be able to look after that part of the, the, the medical pro- – the ophthalmic problem as well. But for general eye care, if there are just – if there are no warning signs, then I think – visiting either an optometrist or an ophthalmologist is, is is perfectly appropriate. If you're losing vision, however, the optometrist, and you're seeing an optometrist, they will send you to an ophthalmologist, for example, if you have a cataract, mm-hmm. if you have glaucoma, if you have macular degeneration. Um, this will then be referred to an ophthalmologist for the appropriate treatment. You're involved in some serious research. So what are the leading-edge breakthroughs that you see coming or you see close to coming? You know, there's so many interesting things that are going on now. My own passion is on ocular stem cell research. and um, What is that? It's people who have stem cell disease of the eye. Our first patient was a patient who was uh, blind in both eyes, a young guy in in, in – in high in university, blind in both eyes, and more severely uh, was suffering with severe pain. And uh, really, one month after his first operation, he was driving a car and pain-free in that eye. And similarly, when we did the second operation, the story actually made it to Japan, actually, at primetime TV. But um, it's people who have a disease of the front of the eye, and oftentimes this can be repaired using stem cell techniques. But there are advances coming in every area. For example, with cataracts, the new intraocular lenses are really amazing. Um, there are a lot of people now who can see both distance and near after the cataract surgery, whereas they couldn't see either before. Um, there's advances in macular degeneration. We used to think that um, people with wet macular degeneration you're going to go blind. Unfortunately, you'll be able to see peripherally, but you won't be able to see centrally. Now we have techniques where we're injecting certain drugs called anti-VEGF components. And these people, these people many times maintain driving vision. So there are a lot of advances going on in all of the areas in, in, in ophthalmology. It's a very exciting time to be a part of this. Do you ever see a day when people who go blind for any reason, will have their sight restored? Um, we have seen that absolutely. We see that regularly um, in various degrees. You know, people with cataracts, for example, right. they can come in with terrible vision and within a couple of days – and I've, we've had – each ophthalmologist I know has right. experienced this where within okay. – often a week, they're seeing again. They're seeing well enough to drive. But I'm saying every, every condition. Every condition. I think that's going to take time. I'm optimistic. I'm an eternal optimist. There will be a day that's going to happen. It's not today. An optimistic ophthalmologist. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, what What would be your top three tips for to all our listeners out there about looking after their eyes? Okay. So I think number one is get routine follow-up examinations. Some of the more serious issues like um, glaucoma, for example, can be a sight. You can lose your vision completely from it. And the signs only come very late. 
So it's best picked up early on in the course of the disease. So getting routine eye exams, um, making sure that you understand what are some of the warning signs uh, of eye disease um, and seek help if you develop any of these. Um, some common examples are getting a lot of floaters, seeing a curtain-like effect in mm-hmm. your vision. Um, those are some uh, important uh, signs that you need to be aware of. And I think being involved with a good primary care eye provider is, is very important. So, Dr. Slomovic, where can people find more information about eye health? Well, you know, we have a website. The Canadian Ophthalmological Society has a website. And the mandate of the society, it's a non-for-profit organization and really is the spokesperson for Canadian ophthalmology. And a lot of information there, a lot of valuable information can be found on the website. I think you need to be careful with Dr. Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the new thing now is people come in with their diagnosis and how they want to be treated. And oftentimes, you know, this is something that's taken the average ophthalmologist 10 years after university to learn how to do. It's not so simple. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Well, sunshine is a wonderful thing, but melanoma is not. And it is one of the most common cancers in young people. People between 15 and 29 with over 6,800 cases in Canada this year. It's also the most aggressive skin cancer if not caught early. Joining us today is the founder and chair of the board of the Melanoma Network of Canada and a three-time survivor, Annette Sear. Welcome to what she said. Thank you so much. Now, a three-time survivor. I've got to start there. Tell us what happened. Well, I um, back in two thousand and one, I had a, I didn't couldn't even see it actually. It was a small mole. It was on the bottom of my ankle, mm-hmm. and I actually waited about a year to actually have it go, you know, go and have it checked out. And went to see my doctor. Referred me to a derm, and the derm said it doesn't look like anything. But when they took it out, it ended up being confirmed as melanoma. Uh, fortunately, it was felt to be caught early at that mm-hmm. point in time, but it ended up. Um, you know, uh, there was a 97% chance it wouldn't come back. I was in that 3%. So it ended up coming back about six years later, spreading up my leg. And then um, again in 2012. So it went through, you know, tremendous amount of um, surgeries and scans and CTs and MRIs and all sorts of skin grafts. It was a nasty, it was a nasty treatment, let me tell you. Wow. And then, so now the prognosis now, how does it Well, I'm still a high risk um, patient. I, I'm, uh, you know, at advanced stage, but uh, fortunately, I'm free of disease. I'm five years this month again, mm-hmm. so we'll restart We're all that all knocking clock. on wood here. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just, uh, I think it's really incumbent um, to, to create some awareness about this disease and how, you know, who knew a small little mole, you know, something so small could potentially take your life. Okay, so uh, I, I want to go there next because... I know this. I know that a small mole can change your life, but I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. I think, you know, even our, our GPs, who we think are our frontline physicians, are not trained to really to spot it. And they're the ones that we think are the ones that are, mm-hmm. you know, looking at us naked when we're getting our annual <laughs> checkup, right? They're supposed Poor to things. Know. Poor <laughs> things. Yeah, believe me, I just was at my derm. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's difficult. But there is something on our website and on many uh, websites, including CDA and such, too, called 
the ABCDEs of melanoma, and it gives you some pictures of what to look for. So what is a normal mole, and then what to, what to look for. So the A is asymmetry. So if the mole is not a, a nice circle and round, a, a normal mole looks round. One that's potentially of concern has different sides to it. And they, okay. when you fold it in half, it wouldn't look the same. If it had a irregular borders around it, um, like a scalloped edge, if, mm-hmm. it, if the colors of that mole look different, sometimes they can be multicolored. Melanomas can have black, blue, brown, pink, red. Is a mole always raised? Um, oftentimes it is. It, most often it is. Okay. So that's the A, asymmetry. B, the border. You, right. You discussed that. Yep. The, the ragged, uneven. So yes. it should be a mirror image, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So C is for color. Yeah, absolutely. So the different colors sometimes in yeah. the mole. And you know, you can't always see it from a, from a naked eye. So what what needs to be happening is if, uh, the, I'll go through the D is diameter okay. as well, which is size. If it's, if it's larger than about six millimeters, which is about the end of a pencil eraser, okay. then you should probably have it checked as well well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one that I think is most important is the E of, of those ABCDEs, which is the evolving and changing. Most often people that have a problematic um, molar lesion have a change in it. It's either been there forever and now it's changing, it's growing, um, it's itching, it's oozing, it's bleeding. A lot of times people say, oh, gee, I nicked it in the shower or it rubbed right, up against exactly. my bra strap yeah. or something, mm-hmm. you know, but that's your body also telling you that it needs to be checked out. And the best person to check that out is is your dermatologist and it's difficult to get into them let me tell you but you know when do you when need a referral you do need a referral from your family physician so if you can get into a derm they'll oftentimes use what they call a dermatoscope and which actually looks down into the mole itself to tell them if it's a potential uh, melanoma so that's really the the definitive answer okay let's tackle sunscreen yes i have a sister-in-law who feels that using sunscreen she's putting more chemicals on her body than she she's doing more worse for her than she's doing good (laughs) is what i'm trying to say and i argue with her on this all the time you're not the only one honestly quite honestly it's it's a common urban myth out there you know if you think about the products that we use on a daily basis open up a can of soup and look at the what the ingredient list Mm -hmm. is on that uh toothpaste uh soap and such we don't know necessarily all of those ingredients but all of those ingredients have to be approved by health canada and health canada will not approve something that's going to be toxic to the body. So these are these are all given a drug identification number. They can only be actually sold in a pharmacy. You'll never mm-hmm. find them at a 7-Eleven. So all of these products have been tested. And, you know, the concentrations of the different types of ingredients that are in sunscreen are, are not fa- found to be harmful to one's system. There's a lot of speculation out there, but that's a common thing. What's more dangerous is exposing yourself to uh, levels of UV radiation on high concentration days like today, which UV index, I bet you, seven or eight at minimum today. And, uh, you know, although we've had a, a awful, cold, wet, wet rainy um, spring. Mm. Here, we, here comes we, the sun. Here's the sun. <laughs> but we need to be out there enjoying that. And we, we need to Yeah, vitamin D. You know, we... Well, but vitamin D is another one of those myths that we like to dispel a little bit. Your body, yes, does produce some vitamin D when there's exposure, but it shuts down within a few minutes of exposure outside. Uh, you cannot get sufficient levels of vitamin D from the sun, and it's a more dangerous way to do it, as well as getting premature wrinkles and aging and brown 
brown spots and nastiness. I'm all about all hats. Over, I think know? I think hats should be just a, <laughs> well. Looking a at your coloring, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm looking at that, going yes. But you know, vitamin D production. You're safer to to get your vitamin D through through a bottle. It's cheap. It's effective. Um, uh, in Canada, it's recommended a thousand milligrams of uh, vitamin D a day, uh, and that's for just about everybody, children um, included. So always check with your doctor. But that's the recommendation. So. So what should we be looking for when we choose a sunscreen? Well, I think it's the first thing is the one you're going to wear. So you know what? The, the, if the fight is always on whether I'm going to wear this goopy, greasy <laughs> sunscreen, there are so many great products out there today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Neutrogena, L'Oreal, all of them make wonderful products. They have lots of face ones that are really don't put a shine on. And mm-hmm. a lot of the cosmetics now have, you know, a 30%, a 30 SPF in it as well. But you want to look for a product that has a broad spectrum um, base to it. So it covers both UVA and mm-hmm. UVB. Those are the two types of rays that uh, that hit us as human beings and on, on Earth. Uh, UVA is the one, uh, the rays that tend to penetrate deeper and cause what we what is considered to be genetic damage. So mm-hmm. it alters the DNA and potentially leads to other skin cancers or melanoma. B is the burning rays, which uh, we also have to protect. So I believe most of the uh, sunscreens in Canada have both of those, but you want to make sure that that's the case, and you also want to make sure that you apply it um, consistently. And reapply it after sweating. Apply or liberally. Liberally. <laughs> we don't use enough of it. So when you think an SPF is 30, if we don't put enough of it on, we're probably not getting that level of protection. Okay. Now let's talk about <laughs> tanning beds. Oh, I God. tell my daughters there is no such thing as a base tan. No. Any tan, you've done damage to your skin. Absolutely. You've heard the message. I'm glad to okay. hear that. We were able to get the the uh, tanning beds banned for access for 18 and under mm-hmm. um, back in, I think, 2011 now it is. But it, it's not healthy for anyone. I mean, the World Health Organization has pointed that out. Um, time and time again, physicians, all the medical communities in this country will tell you it is not healthy. It is absolutely not healthy. The rays in a, 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 the UV radiation emitted in a tanning bed is five to ten times stronger than midday sun. So you're going to get zapped with high dose radiation, and you know a, a simple exposure could could create uh, cancer down the road. Okay. Now, now um, <laughs> MNC provides services, information programs for people and families whose lives have been changed by melanoma. Where can people go to find out more information? You can web- visit our website. Okay. melanomanetwork.ca um, give us a call we have a 1-800 number take advantage of our programs we have a national walk we have a national uh, camp program for prevention um, we pr- provide all sorts of support uh, materials information meetings for patients right across the country that is uh, amazing and thank you so much um, for, for doing this and, and raising awareness my pleasure this is what she said stay with us Joining us now is our travel expert, Candace Derricks. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. And I can't wait for this because you're going to share what to watch for when it comes to pickpockets and how to protect yourself from being a victim with some practical tips and gear. Something we all need to know, and I I think it's happened to almost everybody, or at least to somebody you know. Well, this is actually... they've been stranded with no wallet, no hotel key, no phone, no... Well, this is actually the inspiration for this this segment is that a friend of mine was recently in Paris 
uh, with her family. And these are savvy travelers. So they knew that pickpocketing was an issue. Uh, They were very aware of things. And then on the last day, they were on the metro and her husband's wallet was lifted from the inside of his jacket. (gasps) And he didn't realize it until after they got off the train, which is crazy, right? Like these pickpockets are really, really good at what they do. And afterwards he was reflecting on it. He says, well, I think it was when, you know, that guy bumped into me because he couldn't think of how else this had happened. So it was, it, I thought it was a good, um, good time to maybe talk about for people heading to Europe this summer in particular, because Europe sort of, uh, there's a lot of it going on in Europe right now. It used to be New York. People yeah, New warned York. about New York. New York was crazy. And now it's, you know, New York, the pickpocketing has fallen almost to nothing. So, but Do Europe, we have an issue in Canada? Um, I don't think so. But I think it's always good to be aware. Right. Absolutely. Especially in crowded areas. I mean, it can happen anywhere. Yeah, it can so. happen anywhere. But but authorities are particularly concerned about what's happening in Europe. Yes, I think Europe, there's a lot like in Paris and Amsterdam and London. These are these are happening. This is happening a lot. So um, so let's just kind of go over a little bit. Um, I think one of the per- misperceptions I think we all have is that it's this lone pickpocket. And uh, that's actually not the case. It's usually 99% of the time a group working together. Uh, so they can start a fight or cause a distraction. And then another way they can get your possessions is to sandwich you. So you're going up the stairs, for example, or you're on an escalator and the person in front of you stops dead in their tracks, uh, causing you to run into them, which causes the person behind you to bump into you and then lift your wallet because they're working together. So um, and another classic place is at a turnstile, going into a subway, uh, those little turnstiles, that's a great place for them to sandwich you hmm. to get your, to get your, your goods. Uh, the next way is sort of this classic clipboard technique where somebody comes up to you and asks you to sign a petition or to donate to a cause. And once your hands are distracted, you're, you're an easy mark. You're signing as opposed to hanging on to your purse. Right. And our brains don't really multitask well. So we're signing something. We're not really paying attention to what's happening with our bag, right? We don't mm-hmm. really um, focus that well on different things. So, uh, And then this one always kind of makes me chuckle a little. It's because we're so predictable as humans, right? Uh, in some areas in Europe, they actually alert people with signs that read pickpocket risk or attention pickpockets. And so what's the first thing you would do when you see a sign like that? You right. reach for your wallet or you reach for your phone just to make sure you still have it. Right. And you've now identified to the pickpocket who's watching you where it is. Oh. And then they catch up to you a couple of blocks later and... Game over. Game over, right? So be careful that you don't, you know, it's almost like you have to be aware of that. Don't fall for that sign. Mm -hmm. Don't don't reach for it. Um, This one, you know, like kids, they're so cute, but don't trust the kids. You know, they do work in young groups. Uh, so, you know, a little kid will come up and show you a picture and, you know, oh, look at this picture. And then another kid will lift your wallet. Uh, and then obviously then there's the fake and take uh, because they work in groups. One person pretends to like literally makes you feel that you've they've bumped into you and you're accusing them. And then somebody else is taking the wallet that you don't feel. So ways to outsmart them. Don't walk around with your phone in your hand, obviously. Um, there's nothing easier to grab and run. I mean, I keep my, my banking on my phone, my credit cards on my phone, you know, so you don't want these things no. stolen. So don't walk around with your phone in your hand. Uh, get an RFID sleeve for your credit cards and your debit cards because think about it. Pickpockets don't even have to go in your wallet anymore. They just have to walk up with a machine and tap. 
And what's your daily limit on tap? Mine's $100, right? Each transaction yeah. is $100. So imagine 30, 40 people on a subway platform and they're just walking around tapping people's wallets so and where purses. So where do you get this? An R- RFID sleeve. You can find them at travel stores, online. Yeah, RFID wallets. Okay, and what that does is protect protects it from, from being tapped. Okay, so get that. What yes. else? Because we don't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm literally uh, just go to your local luggage store, CAA, pick up um, money belts. Um, my husband just bought a belt that has a zipper inside the belt. Okay, that you can put cash, and obviously, right. don't walk around with with everything. your passport. Yeah, don't walk around with everything. Keep stuff in the in the, in the safe in your hotel room, um, and divide your valuables amongst your group. Sounds so, great. Yeah. And if your hotel room has a safe, put it all in there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Don't go out with more than you need. Well, thank you so much for joining us. These are really, really, really good tips. Where can people connect with you? They can find me at lifeandpleasantville.com and they can find me on Twitter at CandaceDX. And we'll chat with you in a few weeks again. Saturday night and the moon is who cares what picture you see. It is Saturday Night at the Movies, brought to you tonight by Elevation Pictures. And joining us now is our film critic, Ann Brody, who is currently in mourning as one of the best TV series she has ever seen ends for good. Fargo. <laughs> we hardly knew ye. Three seasons? We hardly Three seasons. knew Oh, no. No, no. It is. I can't think of a series that was better than this. Uh, you know, there are biblical references, Greek mythology. It's very much of the zeitgeist of whatever era. era. They each season was in a different era. And yet they're all tied together by something. In one case, it's just a a quick shot of a man. And oh my God, what became of him? It's just so intelligent and deep. Um, And it just takes place with like country people out in in the wilds of Minnesota, actually shot in Calgary. So, you know, (laughs) thank you to FX and all these fabulous people who did Fargo. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and it is not coming back. Oh, dear. Oh, well. My yeah. cousin Rachel. Very good. Very good. Oh, man, that was great. It's dark and romantic. And you know the story by Daphne du Maurier. I don't. I don't I'm trying to place the story. I don't. Yeah, I can't remember it. Yeah, she, she does quite a few of them of the same sort of mm-hmm. thing. But it's about a young fellow whose um, guardian wealthy guardian he thinks was murdered by their mutual cousin in Italy. So the woman comes up to claim her inheritance, or so we think. And he's just ready for war. But naturally, it's Rachel Weiss, and he falls under her spell completely. He is about to hand her the entire estate, all the family jewels, and in fact, he does. Oh, and it my just gets more and more <laughs> twisted. And I'll tell you, Kate, even when I read the book in school and after the movie, I can't tell you what the answer is. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to um, the true story of a woman's spiritual awakening thanks to a dog, Megan Levy. Yes, she was a girl who was very much um, marginalized in society. You know, drinking, drugging, poor family life and all of that. Mm-hmm. She had There was no meaning to her life, so she joined the uh, Navy, Marines, Marines, and was assigned to the K-9 unit. Why can't they just spell K-9 instead of saying K-9? Anyway, off she goes to the Middle East, and this dog is a bomb sniffer, and she takes him around, and he finds the bombs. And they found, I think, they were on 100 missions, and he saved her life so many times. Well... Then they were both blown up, 
And she was sent home to recuperate. The poor dog was sent right back into service. Oh. So it's uh, at, towards the end, it's the story of how she, all the government levels she went to, including Chuck Schumer in real life, to, um, to get this dog repatriated to her. It's really terrific. And we have um, an interview with Kate Mara up on our YouTube site. So she's it, <laughs> lots to say. She's a real dog lover, too. She felt like she was cheating on her dogs with the two Rexes. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, now, um, I understand that the mummy is not yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Not this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Next. <laughs> really that bad? We're just giving it a next? Tom My Cruise fr- and Russell well, Crowe is just a next? That's it? Well, you know, how do you explain I'll Russell Crowe being in a movie? How do you, ex- you know, and Tom Cruise, please. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, what about um, the, there's Brian Cox is doing oh, Winston he's, Churchill. He's transformed. Really? You'd think it was Winston. Good really? old Winnie. Um, yeah, and it's uh, on the eve of D-Day, and of course, I didn't know this, but you will, that he was present at Gallipoli, mm-hmm. and he witnessed these senseless murders of these soldiers, and he vowed never to let it happen again. And of course, D-Day was a disaster ready to happen. And um, so, you know, it's a whole movie of him being depressed and glum that it's happening, he can't fix it. And that's where it loses its juice, because, he, you know, how many shots can you look at a guy in bed being sad or drinking? And it, it, it sort of loses its steam. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, smarten up already. Snap out of it. Snap out of it, yeah. Um, okay, Becoming Cary Grant. This is a documentary based on, on, on Archie Leach, Cary Grant. Yeah. A kid who had a very sad life in Brighton growing up in mm-hmm. England. Very, very sad. And um, I will tell you before anything else that this is a documentary so worth seeing just on its own or as a fan of Cary Grant. It is so beautifully done. It's a psychological documentary on his life on from being Archie Leach and the, the formative event that happened to him that changed him. He was a, he was the walking wounded most of his life. Mm. And it wasn't until he was in his fifties and he started experimenting with LSD under supervision. I think he had a hundred trips that he was able to come to terms with what happened to him as a child and, and embark on two relatively successful marriages with a whole bunch of broken ones in his past. It is sensational. Okay, and Netflix, uh, last but not least, they've unlocked the slammer for season five (laughs) of Orange is the New Black. And the whole season is going to take place over these three days of this riot. Okay. So... All right. Sounds good. Now, we want to remind you about our new contest with our friends at Elevation Pictures. Bickering parents and a serious health scare threaten the budding relationship between a Pakistani stand-up comic and his American girlfriend in The Big Sick. The movie is in select theaters Friday, June 30th and Friday, July 14th everywhere. And we're giving away double passes to premiere screenings in seven cities coast to coast. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com and click on contest to claim your tickets before they're all gone. Ray Romano is in it. It looks hilarious. Yay. I hear it's great. Thanks, Anne. This is what she said. Stay with us. Graduation is an exciting time, but it can also bring high financial expectations that don't always match reality. Joining us now in TD's Your Story, Your Future is Sue McDonald, Associate Vice President of Everyday Banking Products at TD Bank Group, to tell us about a recent survey that looked into what working post-secondary graduates are anxious or overwhelmed about. Welcome to what she said, Sue. 
Thank you very much for having me, Kate. Now, okay, what can you tell us about the survey? Uh, so you're correct, as you stated. Uh, TD just recently went out to uh, graduates uh, to really get a pulse check on how they're feeling. And we went out to about 6,000 uh, post-secondary graduates. And the results that came back were kind of uh, not a little bit surprising. Uh, as you noted, overall, people were feeling a little bit guilty and a little bit anxious uh, with their new financial realities. So, and how so? Um, were they just thinking they were never going to get a job? Were they thinking that, uh, what, what was really bothering them? Well, the interesting points that came out in the study was the first one being that it took a little longer than they expected to find their job. Right. Um, and that's, I don't think that's net new for, for anybody, but, um, and I think it truly is about how we're defining your first job or a job in general, which it could be the industry you studied, but it's an entry level role. Um, so you're not necessarily receiving the income you were expecting, um, or it's a part time role, or it's a contract role. And so all of a sudden you're getting some disparity or some fluctuations in income levels. So net net effect, graduates were surprised on how long it was taking them to get their first job. And then secondly, they were surprised by the level of income that they were actually getting. When Welcome they to the real it. world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So is it that they want to become financially independent or they want to live on their own? Are they concerned about repayment of student debt or is it just all in all the future? I think each one of those realities is different dependent on the individual. So everybody has their own objectives, whether it's moving out of my parents' basement mm -hmm. or whether it's getting a net new car or whether it's accumulating assets or, to your point, being financially independent. Everybody has their own, their own objectives or their own financial goals. I think what was sort of surprising to them was the difficulty it might and the complexity that it takes to get there. Right. So are they – do they feel – guilty about spending money on, on absolutely they do yeah so that was one of the ones that just kind of made me smile is you know i i want to go out for dinner with my friends tonight mm -hmm. oh i shouldn't be spending that because i have to make rent this month and so the new financial reality hits them with as i said the longer time it takes to actually get the job then the higher than level expected expenses so let's be clear in a major urban center Rent is expensive. Um, you've got transportation. You've got wardrobe. So that old sweatshirt that you used to pick up off the floor and wear to class every day doesn't fly. Um, you know, you need to get, uh, what, even if you're in a business casual environment, um, glasses to look funky and cool are expensive. That blazer, those jeans, um, all of those compound. And so when they go out and spend something on themselves, they're feeling a little bit guilty. Um, that's interesting because we hear so much about um, the millennials wanting to have more um, experiential hmm. um, things going on in their lives, that they want the experience more than they want the stuff. But they need a certain amount of stuff to get the job. Yeah, and I think it's it's a function of what we consider wants and needs as it mm -hmm. pertains to this stuff. So I use the example of I need my $4 double decaf latte every morning. No, you don't. Right. <laughs> um, you can satisfy that same need with the 25-cent drip coffee that you can make, you know, within the cup. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a function of reframing uh, their, their definition of needs versus wants. And w w to your point, what's considered foundational. Okay. So we've got – we still have to teach them how to save then. We do. We so do. So what are some of your top tips for graduates? 
Yeah, so it's 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 pretty simple. Uh, think of this as putting together your study plan. It's exactly the same. You need a game plan. And I think once you put a game plan in place, you've got control over your finances. And that stress and that guilt and that anxiety that you're feeling goes down tenfold. So the first and foremost thing that you need to do is set that objective, both short-term and long-term, the what. So is it move out of your parents' basement? Is it paying down your student loan? Um, is it saving enough money to get a place of your own or buying a car? So determine the what. Uh, and, and as I said, that will be different for everybody. And then it's talking about putting together, it's the how. So how are you going to get there? And this is where that dreaded B word comes into play. Budget, it is budget, budget. Budget, budget, budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's figuring out how to live within your means. And, and you know, you lived like a student before. You can mm-hmm. keep living like that. Ramen noodles still taste good. They still, you know what? The flavor doesn't change once you get that degree. Um, but you have to be aware of the new financial realities. You're not getting subsidized student housing anymore. You're not getting student discounts. So setting that budget and understanding your means and living within it is essential. And it's also critical to be constantly monitoring that budget. It's not good enough to set it and check it once a month, but to really be tracking your spending, to sit there and kind of go, I'm up, I'm under, I'm over. Um, you need to be paying attention. There's got to be an app for that. There's many apps for that. Um, I'd say TD actually has a pretty unique one out in the marketplace right now called TD MySpend. And what I love about TD MySpend is the fact that it, it you get a holistic view of your spending pattern. So it, it combines both your, your credit uh, activity or your Visa card activity with your uh, checking account transactional activity so that it'll let you know every day and you can quickly check where am I in my spending pattern. Um, so it's almost a set it and forget it. You set it. You don't forget it. You check it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things um, with, with my daughter, um, she has a car, but she's living downtown now, and her car is parked at our house, which I'm beginning <laughs> to say, why shouldn't you be using, you know, like a zip car or something um, and getting rid of this car? Yeah, cars are, are, I would say, one of those things where you go, as soon as I graduate, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a car. And what people aren't aware is the additional costs that are associated with a car. So whether that's insurance, that's gas, um, that's parking, because we know parking's at a premium mm-hmm. in this city, uh, as it is in many major urban centers. So now you're paying for parking. So you have to be really, that once again, this is about taking a step back, being aware of what you're spending money on and the value that it's bringing to you. So for your example with your daughter, she's not using it a lot. No, um, she was using it to get to and from university, but now that she's finished and she's here, she works mainly in the city. And if she needed to get out of the city for an audition or whatever, it's like, I have a car. Well, imagine how much money that would free up for discretionary purposes, for saving, um, whether it's for investing or whether it's for paying down debt. You know, being aware of what you're spending on and making sure that you're getting value for that spend from uh, is critically important. All right. And and everyone's financial reality is, is different. I, I think there's a lot of... Um, um, competitiveness maybe that goes on? (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so one of the great, wonderful things, and I will sit there and full disclaimer say, I am not on Facebook. <laughs> I am not. I am not on probably one of the only people on Facebook because I don't want to try and keep up with the Joneses. So when you sit there and see your friends' posts about their fantastic new car that they're driving or this fabulous trip they just took, you don't know what's going on behind in the background. You have no idea that your friend has just bought a brand new car but is up to her eyeballs in debt trying to just make her car payments. She can't even, you know, put food on the table to feed herself because she's got to make her car payments. You don't know if her grandmother left her some money to buy that car. So... So you have this sense of entitlement that you should be at the same level as your friends and buying and having the same experiences, back to your experiential comment, Kate, mm-hmm. about millennials. Um, you really need, you have no idea what's going on behind the doors because money is, you know, that taboo topic that you just don't discuss. Um, and so really you need to stop looking at what your friends are doing and making sure that you're living within your own reality. Okay, so that and make a plan, budget, any That's other it. top tips? Uh, no, just be smart about what you're spending. Yeah, graduates are smart people. That's why they got degrees. Be, <laughs> be aware and, and be in control. And that's the way, that's the key to success in this area. All right, Sue, thank you so much for chatting with us today. No problem. Appreciate it, Kate. This is what she said. Stay with us. What you are listening to is Summer Wheels, the debut single by Calgary-based singer-songwriter and one half of Autumn Hill, Terea. Welcome to What She Said. Hi, thanks for having me. And you're here with gu- guitarist Ryan Eli. Hello. You've been playing together for a while? About an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, he tracked the guitars on the song, so uh, okay. he's familiar so, with perfect. it. That, well, that would be good. That would be good. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, this could be really entertaining. <laughs> so this is the first taste of your first full-length solo album in what can you tell us about it? Oh, um, oh my goodness. I'm so excited to finally talk about it. <laughs> it's, let me see. We have about half the record picked out and kind of in the works right now. Right. And it's just kind of a collection of experiences that really made a difference in my life over the past 10 years. So um, I have a song in there about actually moving to Toronto from Calgary that I wrote six years ago. Um, Summer Wheels, which I wrote in January. Um, there's a song about losing somebody and just a really cool pop kind of country mashup of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically the title track of the album, which I can't tell you (laughs) yet. It's still secret. Can't tell us you have to kill us? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just about how all these experiences kind of make you into this beautiful mosaic of a person. And is that part and parcel? Because you had a highly successful five-year run with Autumn Hill. Produced, what, two albums, four top 20 Canadian country singles, and over 100 high-profile live appearances. So what was the motivation to tell this new story? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like this is something that I've wanted to do for so long, my whole life. Since I was a little girl, I wanted to release a solo record. So it just kind of felt like this was the right time to branch off and kind of explore that path a little bit. I learned so much, met so many amazing people, made a great friend in Mike, and this was just kind of, it felt like the time to kind of tell a story of my own. All right. Well, you are going to be singing us out and playing us out because it is actually the end of the show. So we want to thank everyone for tuning in. We have another great show for you tomorrow at 10 p.m. And don't forget, you can find us online at whatshesaidtalk.com. Now, singing us out, here's Terea with Summer Wheels. Summer Wheels, take me down Highway 101.
Beach Boys Roll up my jeans, let down my hair Wanna feel the spray of ocean air Hang a peace sign out my window Bang a beat like a ringo Put a little fuel in my machine Gonna shine it up until it gleams Open up a Coca-Cola Flip you what I owe ya Summer wheels take me down Chasing down the California sun Watch it sink heavy down, yeah Keep them spinning around and around Summer wheels Gonna put some copper tone on my face I got my surfboard just in case Might keep these white walls Top down and cruising Summer wheels Take me down Highway 101 I wanna see them beach boys Summer wheels Chasing down the California sun Watch it sink heading down Yeah Keep them spinning around and around and around and around Summer wheels the spray of ocean air summer wheels summer wheels summer wheels take me down highway one one I want to see them beach boys summer Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.